Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're bringing the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is Rusty Shelton, founder of Zilker Media. Zilker Media is an award-winning boutique agency providing end-to-end brand building for some of the world's top executives, thought leaders, and companies. Rusty has worked with clients like Chicken Soup for the Soul, IBM, Amazon, and more. And he has managed the launches of more than 35 New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers. He's a serial entrepreneur who has created multiple PR and branding agencies. So let's dive right in into how it's done and what makes a successful campaign. Rusty, welcome to the show. What's up, Adam? Thanks for having me, man. Rusty is in the great state of Texas in one of my favorite cities, Austin, that I was at a couple of weeks ago. Let me ask you a question. What's what's your go-to barbecue spot in Austin, man? What, what's what's the go-to? What do you, are you uh, your stubs? You going out to the burbs? What are you feeling, man? Well, so I live just west of town out in Spicewood and there's a, a little barbecue joint out here called It's All Good Barbecue that is, you know, not heavily on the radar, but has the best brisket in the Austin area, in my opinion, with apologies to Franklin. So, um, I love Franklin's, man. I, I love yeah. Franklin's. I love Salt Lake. You know, I've been out to, to all those out there. Now, I, I think that the true test of barbecue spot is the brisket. Would you agree or disagree? Completely agree. I think the barbecue, I think the brisket is from a meat perspective holds the flavor most. It's the best to really gauge the quality of it, of, of a barbecue. It's a, it's an art form, right? I mean, it, it is the hardest, hardest thing to pull off. You can sort of mask a so-so barbecue place with, you know, sausage or chicken or whatever else, but, um, man, brisket, if you can do that right, you, you're, you know, you're a good spot. I'm also a fan. Now this is, this is not a popular statement here, but I'm a big fan of, of sides also at a barbecue let's get, place. Let's get, let's get into sides too, because I am a self-proclaimed coleslaw connoisseur. Oh, love it. Now, vinegar or mayo, right? Like there's two different sides, but I like them both equally. It depends. So let's talk about sides. What's your go-to sides? Well, see, I like to have a, a mix of like, it's all good. For, for example, jalapeno poppers, hash brown casserole, green beans. So they've got all the tradition. You can get the beans. You can get the potato Are the salad. The poppers with cheese or cream cheese? With cheese. Yeah, not the cream yeah. cheese. I like the cream cheese ones if I'm doing like a football, but when I'm getting them fresh. See, the beans are interesting. I'm a, I'm a beans guy. And where were we? We were at um, Iron Iron City. Is that the one right near the convention center? Iron. Um, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to butcher it. Iron Cactus. Uh, there's a barbecue oh, right next to the Austin Convention Center. Ironworks, I think. Ironworks, thank you. And the 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 barbecue is perfectly good. You know, I'm not going to disparage it. Whatever, it was certainly good. But their beans, man, ooh, they were so good, and yeah. they had really good mac and cheese. So it's always a dilemma of what I want to get. So what I like to do when I go to the barbecue joints, if I've never been there before, is I look at other people's plates on the line. Savvy. Like, 
And I, I get all like up in there. I'm like, well, these days I got to cover my mouth. So I'm not like breathing on their food, like a creep from New York <laughs> over here. Anyway. Um, oh, one last question. Like, what are you washing it down with? Are you a Shiner Bot guy? What's your. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good IPAs around Austin. 512 IPA was the big kind of local IPA that I'm always a big fan of. So um, that hoppy. Shiner's always, yeah, not, not too bad. No. Shiner's always good too, but but I'm typically more of an IPA guy. I love it, man. So <laughs> let's get into it. I, I like talking, you know, shop when it, when it comes to food here. So speaking of, of shop, let's, let's talk take New it back. York, one, let's talk New York for a second. Is, is there a good, is there a place in New York that you would say kind of holds a candle to some of the stuff you've gotten down here? Barbecue wise? No. Yep. I mean, okay. in New York City, what, they have like Dallas barbecue now. If we're talking New York, we're talking pizza and bagels and Chinese food. Yep. Okay. Fair. I mean, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bagel guy. I I mean, you want to talk? You want to talk deli? You want to talk Katz's deli? You want to talk pastrami, corned beef? Yeah, sure. Um, but barbecue, we we keep it to the first. Now, if you want to talk barbecue regionalities, we could have a whole podcast on Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I've had some great barbecue in Kentucky as well. You know, there's, yep. You know, it's it's uh it's a whole, it's a whole other show, but um. <laughs> You could tell we're we're two yappers here, and and uh, and Rusty comes from the PR world. So let's take it back. Um, what got you into the PR space years ago? I mean, you you interned actually for free, which we'll get to in a second um, at Phoenix and Phoenix. What what were you doing that said, you know what, PR is my calling? You know, I had no idea it it was my calling. To be completely honest, this is junior year at University of Texas, and I started out undeclared. I I bounced into college of communication. I really enjoyed it. I like the create creativity side of it, and um, you know, enjoyed always been somebody that that likes to talk and likes to build relationships. But junior year, my mom, you know, middle of a phone call and something else, and she's like, "Hey, Rusty, you know, at some point here, you're going to get an internship." you're almost out of UT at this point. It's probably a good idea to start looking for that. And got off the phone, I thought about it. I was like, oh, mom's mom's right as usual. And so went onto the College of Communication intern board, found this particular internship at this little book PR shop in Austin, Texas. And uh, at that point, Austin, you know, not on the radar no. in terms of book publishing or really much else other than, um, you know, great music and good football. And so did did that internship and I loved it. I learned so much, really great culture at that company. And so, um, you know, it was, it was the kind of situation that I said, all right, got an internship. At that point, I was super nervous about like, what's my full-time job going to be? Am I going to find one? And um, right. I felt like that was a good opportunity for me to do that. So, so let's talk about internships for a moment here. And I've had some great internships in my life that really defined and put, pointed me in the right direction. But I always say, the most important thing about an internship, especially at that age and that stage early on in your career, is to know and see what you don't like, to understand what you don't like. Was there something in particular that you didn't like that you said, you know what, I'm going to go down this path, but I don't want to be doing X, Y, or Z, or it really doesn't speak to me. It's not what I'm feeling. You know, the internship that I did was I started as a <clears throat> PR, a publicist internship. And so I was, I was cold calling producers. Right. Let's tell people what that really means day in okay. and day out, especially as a grunt, you know, an intern grunt. What that means is a hundred calls a day. Smiling and I, at that point I had a um, three ring binder that was a Bacon's media directory. So our old school PR folks will remember this. And if I was pitching drive time radio in Missouri, I'd get to the Missouri section and I would go station by station by station. And the call Adam was something like, you know, somebody picks up on the other end. Hey, I'm Rusty Shelton with Phoenix and Phoenix Literary Publicist in Austin, Texas. I got a great client. And, and, and by that point, usually they're checked out. 
or right. I've gotten hung up on. It's just an <laughs> exceedingly difficult right. um, thing. So I, I knew I didn't want to do that for very long, but but it was a great learning experience, that side of the business. And I bounced over to, to, to biz dev from there. What, would, what advice would you give to anyone out there young who's listening about if, if there's a great opportunity, but it's unpaid? Well, this is a debate that, that I get into with some members of our team now because we don't do unpaid anymore. But unpaid internships, if you can go in and build relationships, at, to your point, learn what you don't like, but also learn what you like. I mean, the biggest things to figure out, is this a company or is this a leader that is going to pour into me? So if I'm, get, if, if I'm not getting money, I need to mm-hmm. be getting knowledge and coaching and mentorship. And I was really fortunate to have that at, at that first job. And it's interesting, if I can trace back across my agency, some of our best leaders started as interns. My partner and our CEO at Zilker Media right now started as an intern at Shelton Interactive. And it's just such a great way to go and improve. You can do it and, and just get a lot of great coaching. But how, but how is someone going to know that, especially, you know, a kid in college or coming out of college, if that's going to be the right opportunity? Like, what are some of those questions to ask maybe in the, in the interview process? So I think that's one of the key questions there, which is, all right, totally get that this is uh, either low pay or unpaid. The, the reason I'm interested in this is to try to figure out whether or not this is a future path for me and whether or not this is an internship where I'm going to be going to get coffee or am I going to be getting actual mentorship and hands-on experience. And you know, it's like anything else, Adam, that particular internship, I didn't have any connection to the leadership there. I got lucky on that one. What I would encourage most people to think about is, is there somebody that I know or one step removed from somebody that I know that can vouch for that leader or that company? And also, you know, going to places like Glassdoor looking for, yep. there's so many interns that, that it's interesting, do a really good job now of writing reviews on whether or not they got value or not. Yeah, Glassdoor is good. Good advice there. I'm t- testing out my new soundboard here with the new toys here. So Love that. Audience feedback. Tell me if you like it. Yeah, there's fun toys here. I keep doing air horn. Now we're talking. We're, we're, we're not going to do that. Okay. Um, so switching gears for a little bit, you pay your dues, you put in your work. When did that kind of light go off where you said, you know what, now's the right time to launch and develop my own firm? Wow. That, I mean, that was a quite a long process. So so that particular internship- Doesn't senior, happen overnight. No, it doesn't. I, I spent seven years at that agency. So um, the, the owner of that business was somebody that- um, early on in my career, they really poured into me. So he was somebody that had been in sales his whole career. He put my desk in his office. Hmm. And, and if you can think- Phys- Physically put his desk, your physically desk in his put, office. put my desk in his office. And, and what that I'm meant, scared, Adam, was- Yeah, were you like, what the, f- what the hell's going on here? Like, yeah, I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. He was watching, watching when I got there, long. when I left, <laughs> and listening to every right. single phone call that I did. And so, you know, what that did for me was a couple of things. Number one, it made me super anxious right. going into work because I'm going to have, you know, my boss, he's over there, you know, slamming his hand on the table, throwing stuff across the room when he's hearing me saying things that, you know, he didn't think were on point or wasn't the right approach. Right. But I got real time coaching from somebody that took the time and energy to do it. And the the year that I spent in his office has benefited me more than I can put into words to this day. So, so so let's talk about that for a moment now too. In the last three years with the pandemic and remote work being, you know, a, a thing of necessity and a lot of companies staying in that direction. 
Could you even fathom being a newbie in PR right now, being 100% remote? I mean, is this a reality or is there things that we're just leaving on the table and not thinking about that these younger kids will not have the same experience that we did being on site? And I think I, I think it can be done, but I think it, it doesn't give near the value to that younger person professional in PR it also doesn't give near the value to the team in my experience so we're you know we're hybrid here so we're a mix two days in the office three days at home and I feel like that's we were doing that before the pandemic I feel like that's the right kind of mix that we're going to see from most companies moving forward but Agreed. when we had Agreed. to go fully remote we were lucky that we had kind of that core culture in place before that but man I can't imagine trying to to learn and build relationships and understand the nuances of PR and the nuances of client management without actually watching people and do it it's a body it's a body language too like I, I remember my early days working in advertising I would be in a pitch meeting. I'd be a fly on the wall just taking notes and just watching these senior executives, the way they worked the room, the way they led the conversation, the way they answered questions. Yep. Now, yes, could that be replicated remotely? Kind of, but you're not getting the vibe. You're not getting, you're not getting the energy in the room. So you, launch, you go out and you launch your own agency. Um, I assume that you, you were able to take some contacts and some business with you, but what was that tough early challenge going out on your own? Oh man! So uh, towards the end of my time at Phoenix and Phoenix, I was uh, managing director of the business. I, I was running it. We were doing really well, but we were only in the PR lane. And, mm -hmm. and what I was seeing was we were having clients that obviously they needed websites, they needed social, they needed everything, not just PR. And what was happening was um, we were going out and getting journalists interested in that client, but journalists was googling their name and getting to a website that looked. In other words, it was preventing us from getting results. And so. I spent a couple of years talking myself out of it. At that point, Adam, my wife was staying home. Uh, we had two kids in diapers. And it was one of those things that was very yeah, easy to tell myself life, like, bro. hey, it's, it's, it's going really well right now, right? It, it, things, things are good. Why, why mess up a good thing? And I actually told myself that story for a couple of years and then finally got the courage up to jump out and start that business after going to South by Southwest and sitting into a Tim Ferriss presentation. Four hour work week and light bulb went off and I walked out the door and I made that decision. And so when I jumped out, um, I, I had a non-compete at that time. And uh, so my agency just did traditional PR. And so the lane that I picked to go with was to start a, an interactive agency. So to start a digital shopper, we Full just service. did digital... Exactly. Full service digital shop. And so I was able to draft on a lot of the relationships that I built at the first agency because we were in kind of a different adjacent lane that uh, that opened up a lot of opportunities. How did you approach hiring and team building? What were those yeah. traits that you were looking for in, in people to bring on? I mean, when I went out and launched my own, my own agency, I had a very, well, I didn't have a very clear, I, I had a a compass of certain things that were intangibles, uh, non-negotiables, certain mm -hmm. things that were like, these people must have these skills and experience. But then I kind of shifted a little bit and I found folks who had the right, it, it was just a gut feeling that I had that this person was going to be good and I gave him a try and turned out to be my co-founder right now. Oh, love it. Love it. Um, Adam, I made every single mistake in the book. When it comes to talent, so my first two employees at Shelton Interactive, one of them gave me one day notice. One of them left Good and times. didn't even tell me. Yeah, and and took all of the books that he was representing at that point that that we physically had, and so it was a train wreck out of the Yikes. gate. I remember sitting and thinking about three months into it, which was when all this went down. Like, 
how could you, after all of these years of thinking about this, how could you now be at this point where you ha- your first two employees are gone, your biggest client's on the ropes because they're going to have to send you a thousand new books that just got stolen by one of your employees. Um, I, you know, we had a, a few thousand dollars in the bank. I mean, it, it was like that classic sort of the, the airplane you're trying to build before you hit the ground was really damn close. Yeah to the ground trying to build so, it as you fly it right and try not yes. to crash it as you as you yes. build it and and if like that's scary that's reality but that's the the um the necessary calluses that a business owner needs to establish to have future success and, and sure. i'm in that now and i totally get it too so i'm always interested when acquisitions come were you, were you looking to to sell or did that opportunity was it one of those things you couldn't really turn away from i wasn't Especially with your name it. on it like 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 selling yeah. a company with your name on it isn't that weird like what's that yeah. like yeah, it's 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 crazy. So so 2010 to 2016, we grew Shelton Interactive, and you know you mentioned the bestsellers, great culture, amazing team. It was it was everything I hoped it would be, and way more. Um, I, I get a note in late 2015 from uh, from a friend making a connection to uh, to somebody that was looking to bolt on a. Uh, digital PR shop for for books. It was a strategic buyer for us, and at that point, right. wasn't wasn't looking to sell. We were growing, you know, great culture as I mentioned. Yeah, it wasn't and even so, on your radar. No, not at all. And, and so I, I started to think about it. And I said, okay, you know, we built a great agency here, but there are a few challenges with this business. Number one, we have a clientele in authors and publishers that no matter how happy we make them, it's going to be a six-month relationship. And then it's, hey, Rusty, thanks. You guys are awesome. I'll call so you So it's not years. transactional. It's long-term. It was, it's yeah. transactional, not long-term, right? They're not... The, the, the ROI on it's like you're putting all this effort in, but someone's out. Like, yes, it's a business model, but is it the right business model? It's not if you want to no. grow, right? So we plateaued and we could get to about a million and a half. And it was going to be really difficult for us to push through that based on the nature of our clientele. And so we were in a position where... We were doing great work, but we were sort of locked in. And the challenge for me at that time, Adam, is I had a, a workforce that was amazing, super talented, but because of the nature of that business model, I was not going to be able to to have them grow with us. Right? We were we were a stopping point for people that were then jumping somewhere else because we couldn't move them up meaningfully from a salary perspective, et cetera. And so I, I saw that as a limiting. Uh, Factor in the business. I also started to think, you know, okay, this is somebody that if we if we bolt on with them, you know, we're we're going to be a bigger company. We're going to grow quicker, and you know that uh, that agency or the the publishing house that bought us, Advantage Media Group, is now Forbes Books. And seven years later, mm-hmm. I'm still doing a ton of work with them. I just, you know, my new book I just co-wrote with the founder of that business. Yeah, it's a huge relationship, incredibly important to me. And so, jumping out and starting Zoker about eighteen months later. We're a little bit of a different focus where we're taking, you know, kind of the expertise that we figured out on the thought leadership front with authors and publishers and now applying it to businesses. Hey there, fellow podcast listeners. I'm Kevin Logan Jr., host of the Immutable Mindset Podcast. If you're fascinated by Web3, blockchain, and disruptive technology, then you won't want to miss a show. Join me and co-host Adam Posner as we introduce you to an incredible lineup of successful entrepreneurs, builders, and industry veterans who share their insider knowledge, unique perspectives, and personal stories that will leave you inspired and craving more. Like Mike Isogawa, the CEO of Webacy, who shares her journey from being a Cirque du Soleil performer to a cybersecurity pioneer. Or Dave Schwed, COO of Halborn, who 
discusses the future of digital asset security and how the future of assets will be tokenized. We also break down complex topics into digestible bits, perfect for both experts and newcomers to the world of Web3. So if you're ready to stay ahead of the curve, subscribe to the Immutable Mindset Podcast now, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You know, when you talk about scaling and growing a company from, you know, the, the first, we'll call it five, 10 employees to where you are now, what are some of those challenges and, and lessons learned the hard way? Yeah. yeah so uh, several of them, as you would imagine. So, you know, when I, when I got going with Shelton Interactive, I made probably the most common mistake that I see from, uh, from entrepreneurs and that is wrapping themselves into every aspect of the business. So, you know, especially in the marketing and PR space, I thought mm-hmm. I had to be on every client call. I had to, you know, be the relationship guy. And the challenge with that is that two, it's twofold. Number one, you limit the growth of the business. Number two, you limit the growth of your team because they're not getting the opportunity to jump in and lead that. And so as a result of that, Adam, I, I was burnt out. I had um, you know, just, just a lot of challenges a, as it relates to the business itself because I had spread myself way too thin. And so one of the the things that I swore to do when I came to Zilker was focus on the things I did really, really well and 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 bring on people that are much better than me to do everything else. And and that that is that is two two things wrapped into one. One, it's really understanding your strengths and weaknesses and being able to double down on your strengths and not yes. focus on your weaknesses. And number two is to outsource your weaknesses or when I say weaknesses, these are just things that other people are better at doing at that could do it more efficiently, less expensive, and just better. And, and, and having that kind of mindset, um, and that's key for any entrepreneur out there. So let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about uh, the new book, The Authority Advantage, coming out um, soon, May 16th. I mean, this podcast will come out after the book is out. So congratulations on the Thank you. On a successful book launch, um, putting it out to the universe <laughs> out there. And we'll link everybody up there in a little bit. So the first question I always ask before we even get to the, the meat and potatoes of the book, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about yourself? through the process of writing a book. I mean, you're someone in the industry, you're representing authors, you understand the process, but now you're on the other side of the, of the pen or screen, so to speak. What did you learn yeah. about yourself through the process? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me, Adam, was just the, the value of getting into kind of a, a flow state, if you will, with the book. So, so this, this is my third book. And the first two flowed really easily from the start. This one, we knew we wanted to write for leaders, Right. The the last couple have been for marketers. This was a book for leaders. Right, so you had a specific audience and a specific target that you were writing to. Really for. specific. And it took me a little while to get to the actual flow in terms of the the way that I wanted the book to to come across, the stories I wanted to tell, et cetera. And um I, I was able to sort of get myself out of kind of the day to day where I the last couple of books I'd written, you know, first 90 minutes of the day and just kind of grinded through it. And this one I had to get away and actually spend some time. And, and I think this is the best book uh, that we've written so far, but Why? it took took a lot more time because it's really focused in on the person that actually has to make the decision right? To build thought leadership. And that is the the leader themselves. And I- instead of getting more tactical, which those last couple of books were, this is really more of a mindset book. And so it was more rewarding for me to write as a leader that's gone through several mindset shifts just through the years as I've just grown as a, as a professional, I wanted to try to engineer that for, I like that. for leaders as well. Yeah. I, I, I dig that too. So what do you want folks to walk away from after reading the book? What's that key takeaway? I think the key takeaway, Adam, is the 
decision to go out and build thought leadership for a leader is not an exercise in in ego, which unfortunately, you know, 95% of leaders, when they hear the phrase thought leadership or personal brand, I'm either getting a grimace from them or, or their, their, you know, stomach's turning as I say yeah. that phrase, right? Because and, they don't know what it means. It's kind of thrown around these days, you know, thought leadership. Everybody thinks it's an ego trip, right? It's, it's, it's so- yeah, let's so, dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for most of us, our minds immediately go to people that are building, hey, look at me kind of brands, right? Something that me, comes me, across. Me. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And sell, so, sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. Yeah. And, and there are plenty of people doing it the wrong way, right? So the, the leader I want to speak to, Adam, is the servant leader who behind the scenes right now is over delivering for clients, for their team. They are the best kept secret, right, in their industry. And the reason they haven't jumped out to do this is because they've been worried that people will think it's an ego trip. Or that you know it's not best and highest use of their time. And where we are today, as you know, nobody trusts their business anymore, right? Gallup's study last summer said trust in institutions and businesses at an all-time low. And so, for most leaders right now, if they're behind the scenes, they are costing their business tremendously because they're leading with a message that's being communicated through a logo that nobody wants to hear from anymore. And, and so, the leader that steps out to the side of a business. Again, I, I need them to be the messenger, not the message. Because if you've got right. something to get out there, if you are the vehicle, it's going to go further, quicker, cheaper than it is with the business. So how does a leader balance the message being truly authentic, the right intention, the right motivation behind it without being self-serving with an ego? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think the form- big- Is there a formula to it? Like, is there a magic genie lamp that you rub and it comes out? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the balance I always encourage leaders to think about, Adam, is you want to walk a fine line. So on one side of the coin, you want the visuals to say what essentially I don't want you to say about yourself, which is she's top of her class thought leader. She's a main stage speaker. She wrote the book on it, et cetera. Right? In other words, this is somebody I can trust. And then the flip side, the entirety of a leader's content strategy, right? Their, their blog, their book, their podcast is all mission-driven thought leadership. Right? If you never take another step with me, I'm going to mm-hmm. leave you better off as a result of having read this. But the reality, Adam, is I'm not interested in that message until I know Adam's the guy to teach me on this topic. And so that for me is really the, the balance that leaders have to get to is you, you've got to essentially have brands and visuals that you associate yourself with that your audience already knows, trusts, and respects, right? I so you do this really well in your bio. And I'm going through, you know, I may not know Adam. I do have an image in my mind for American Express or Sirius or British Airways or some of the other clients that you guys have worked with through the years. And so what happens is, you know, Adam's image is now along for the ride with the image in my mind for those brands, Trust Accelerator. So, right. so that, Association. you know, we, yeah, we can get into the tactics but, of that, but that at a high level is the balance. No, that's 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 cool. I have a question, you know, now being, I mean, well, now it's a third book, being on the other side and, you know, working, putting it out with Forbes Books, who you've worked with in the past. The CEO, Adam Whitty, um, is actually your co-author. What's the difference for everyone out there between working with a publishing house versus self-publishing? Yeah, so... so well, just quick note, doesn't, I kind of hear this all the time, no matter what, if you're working with somebody, you're always self-publishing, right? The way you're promoting it and getting it out there. Yeah, and there's, there's really sort of three lanes from my perspective, Adam. So one is traditional publishing, right? You're in the epicenter of it up in New York. And that's where a publisher is paying you <clears throat> to write the book. They're paying for everything related to the book. 
And it's, it, I kind of look at it like venture capital. They're making mm-hmm. several bets and they're hoping a couple of those books really okay. go out and succeed, right? It's harder than ever to get into that world, but that's certainly a great route for a lot of authors. The complete opposite end is true self-publishing. That's where you're finding the editor, you're finding the cover designer, you're doing everything. It's Rusty Shelton Press, et cetera. The middle lane, which is hybrid publishing, which is you know Forbes Books and some others in that space, is really you're kind of having a team go through and professionally help you to create the best book possible. A lot of them, uh, you know, will have ghostwriters that they pair leaders with. So, you know, there there are up positives and negatives about each one. In the middle lane, you know, the negative there is you're writing the check, right? You're investing in it, and the mindset in, in my uh, in my view, Adam, for success there is is really to kind of think about what is the book driving that is a much more interesting outcome for me than book sales, right? So, so we often say That's the a good worst, way to frame it out and think about it, right? Like yeah, what's, the, what's the goal? Is your goal to get? Because most, let's talk about it. Only a top per small percent, kind of like podcasting, are the ones really getting wealthy off it. There's other there's other goals. Like for example, my goal ancillary is is business development relationships, right? Is what's the goal of the book? Right? Unless tips. you're a celebrity or all of a sudden you're, you know, somehow became a best-selling author, like you're an incredible writer, like it's not going to really sell millions of copies. It, for, for most people, Adam, the worst way to make money off a book is by selling it. In, in other a, words. Speaking gigs, public appearances, business development relationships. Influence, exactly. People tell me all the time I should write a book. You know, and, and I, well, let me bounce an idea off you. Let's, let, mm-hmm. let's, let, let's do this. Let's, I'm up. Potential client coming in. Let's do it. Rusty, I've done 275 episodes of the show over the past five years. I have hours of content. I've spoken to an incredible range of guests across different professions, life journeys, and everything. My thought is somehow distilling those learnings and talking about, I don't know, X amount of guests and highlighting the shows into one book with learnings. Do you think there's something there? Is there meat to it? Is this something that people would want to read? Well, I think what I would encourage you to think about is less learnings and more is there a framework that you can create in this book that that Adam owns, right? That becomes your go-to framework that then people can read and personalize in their lives. So, so it might be an approach to building outbound relationships and the podcast has been your your route to doing that and you work people through a way to, to do that kind of thing. Interesting. No, I appreciate that. So switching gears, I want to get back into um, your agency that that you have now. And one of the things that really stood out to me when looking at the the employees there, heavily overly indexes uh, female staff. Is that intentional? Is that by design? And what is that giving you as far as just an energy in the office? Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 been that way kind of across the agencies that I've that I've worked at. So uh, well, shelter typically. Typically leans a little bit more female, yeah. skews a little bit more female, based on my yeah. experience. Yeah, and, and in my experience, they are uh, much more talented, much better performers <laughs> in this space as well, right? As as you know, you may know. So, uh, Zilker has gotten a lot of the band back together from Shelton Interactive. In other words, mm. it was a lot of the talent that everyone's booming, boomeranging back around. Yeah, and so we've kind of gotten a, that band back together, and it's been it's been great. I I like to work with people who really enjoy what they do, right? That are that are great culture fits that, um, you know, bring a lot of great energy and positivity to the office. And in my experience, you know, we, we've had a lot of success bringing those kind of people in. Um, you know, my partner at, at Zilker Page, Velasquez Buddy, is somebody that is a much more talented CEO, 
than I mm-hmm. than I ever was. Right? She 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 just does it more much more naturally than than I do. We complement each other, you know, really well with different skill sets. And so I think for me, it's just thinking. All right, for each seat on the bus, who is the the best person to come in and, and do that well? And um, back to your talent question earlier, in my experience, the best way to find great talent is either to bring them up through you know an internship program ranks. for more entry level spots, so they work their way up through the ranks, or it is a direct connection with a with a good friend that can bring them in. Direct connection with a good friend, but doesn't that potentially lead to sometimes like bias? Right, then sure. you're just building a company of people that look and act the same. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going to the same friend every time, yeah. you yeah, know, keep, so, going to, keep going to Sally. You're bringing all of our friends. Everyone's yeah. gonna be like Sally, right? Like you, you don't you don't want to be doing that. So, um, making a little bit of a turn here, I want to talk about the the. I don't like like to say work life balance. I like to use the word harmony. And something you talk about a lot is you know you're you're a passionate dad, and and there was a piece that I found when researching your upside letter about your two sons championship game and taking them on the road with you. Tell, tell everyone what that's all about. Yeah. So, um, I've coached little league for the boys through the years and that particular trip I had agreed to, uh, to give a talk at, at a Harvard medical school conference up in Boston, you know, you, you agree to this way out in advance. And so the team that I had coached, which was the best team we had had was going to be in the championship game. And it was that what age is not, this? What age group is this? This was, uh, 11 U. These kids uh, are playing ball. They're throwing. They're, th- they they're pitching. They're hitting. Right. They're throwing sixties. They like they're yeah. And I really thought about it, Adam. I, I thought about all right. Do I cancel this speech? And you know, ultimately felt like I I couldn't. And so the night of the championship game, I'm up in Boston sitting at the Atlantic Fish Company, and one of the moms of one of the kids on the team was just giving me text updates, one after another after another. And we had to win two games that night. So it was a team that had already beat us once. And ultimately, we ended up winning both of those games. And you know, my assistant coach FaceTimed me so that I could give kind of the the, the speech to the kids at the end. And when I hung up, you know, I just started crying out there on Boylston Street. And um, you know, I'd missed it. I'd missed yeah. a major, major, major moment. And it's uh, you know, I think indicative of what a lot of us go through, right? When we when we're traveling for work, is you, you're going to have things that you miss. One of the things that I have been doing since then, Adam, is I take both of my sons um, and my daughter, once she gets old enough, out on the road with me. So if I go to give a talk, or I, I mentioned I was just in New York, we did our launch at Forbes on Fifth this week. I brought both the boys up That's there awesome. for that. They got to take a picture with Steve Forbes and um, you know spend a bunch of time Pretty meeting cool. people. And yeah, it was hanging out in so, New York and seeing what Dad does. Exactly. And the biggest learning for me, Adam, so, th- so the, the head trash I had on this early in my career was clients, it was going to turn them off or a conference would think, you know, it was kind of amateur hour, but it's actually the opposite. Um, not only are you, are you stealing time with your kids, but it gives other people permission to start to do this. And it just, it feels it. like it's one of those things that, that really is catching on. Yeah, it was a tough one. I, I, I missed my daughter's uh, school play a couple of weeks ago when I was in Austin and that one really weighed heavily on me. And I had a conversation with her before and she wasn't the lead in the play and she understood and she knows what daddy does for work. She's 11 years old. She understands that dad's a recruiter. She understands what I do for business. She understands the podcast. She's been on it. So she knows my business and what I do. And I asked her permission if it was okay. But now my wheels are spinning and I keep thinking of opportunities. Where could I take her on the next work trip that makes sense? Right. Not going to Vegas with her. Right. But like things that, you know, maybe Austin, next time I'm in Austin, like, She's 11 years old. She had a great yeah. time. There really wasn't anywhere in Austin I went 
except for maybe late night, that she couldn't be at my side. She could be at the convention. There was things to do there. She would understand. She's deeply involved in the Web3 space. She knows what I'm doing in this. So those those are things that I think are really important. And, and I applaud you for setting an example at home and setting an example for everyone else out there. I think that more um, professionals with families need to think about integration, where it makes sense. It's a whole new world and it's exciting and it's cool, right? Like find every opportunity to be with your kids, teachable moments. So, some of the best memories I've got with my sons are, are on these trips and they just get such confidence building opportunities. You know, one of the speeches that I went and gave that I took Luke, my oldest with me, the the conference actually had him come up and take a couple of questions really? at, at the end. About from, you or just No, no, no. Just, a, just they were asking him questions. And he was cool that with that. He, he was able to answer from the Confidence. stage. And yeah, so it just, and, it's, it's stuff that he wouldn't have ever gotten a chance to do otherwise. And think it kind of goes back to that old school. I don't know if your parents ever did this. It was like, take your kid to work with you day, right? Like those opportunities to experience it. This is a whole different level. Whole you different want your level. kids to see what dad and mom and dad do for a living, what they're yes. going off to all day, what they're, what they're working on. Um, and it's always interesting. It's like, if, if someone asked my daughter what her dad does for a living, she'd be able to articulate it. She yes. would say, my dad works with companies to help them fill jobs and helps people find jobs in their careers. And he does a podcast and I've been on it and I know what it's all about and everything. And, and, I, and, I, and I certainly applaud you for that. So, Rusty, let's, let's, um, let's bring it home here. Um, this show is my masterclass. And that's another kind of theme I've been thinking about, you know, for a potential book. Right? I created my own masterclass. I get to talk to incredible folks like yourself and build my own library. But in reality, I get to share it with everybody else. So I'm procuring, I'm the DJ procuring my masterclass for everyone else out there. So, Rusty, what is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on daily? My first uh, boss left me with a line that uh, that I think is just so important for life, and it's if you're talking, you're losing. And I think it applies at every level of of life. In other words, really focusing in on asking good questions and and listening, right? And and whether you're in sales or you're building relationships with somebody at a networking event or you're with your kids, you know, that phrase is one that I really come back to a lot and has been incredibly beneficial for me in my career. Active listening, something that I'm personally trying to do a lot better these days. And what would you say is your superpower? What do you do better than anybody else on this planet that makes you who you are? Teach. I love to teach. I love to go out and, and teach leaders, teach professionals how to think differently about making an impact in the world beyond the people that are physically around them. So in other words, doing it at scale through thought leadership. I love to speak. It's, it's you know, for me, the thing that I think I'm the best at is the thing I enjoy most. And so uh, teaching in that kind of environment is something that, that I hope to do a lot more of as, as I go through my career. How about you? Ooh, what is my super connecting? I'm a power. I'm a super connector. I see it's kind of like like Rain Man. I see like um, almost if you were able to project a, 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 a virtual reality uh, like connection, like dots going across to people like this person should speak to this person. I don't know if that person knows that person, but there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. Great pushback on that one. I like you flipping that one back on me. I appreciate that as a podcaster. When people ask questions to the podcast host, there's a pro tip for everybody. And Rusty, last but not least, and I think I know the answer to this one. You know, you look back on your life and there were, not everything has been success. You've definitely went through those hard times and those challenges. And those times you had, really had to dig down deep and harness that inner tenacity to pull yourself up forward and over. And now you sit here with gratitude of this life, your family, this company, 
working with amazing clients. What keeps you focused? What is your beacon, your lighthouse? Rusty Shelton, what is your North Star in life? Well, I think my, my North Star in life is to help my family, team members, et cetera, live you know, more fulfilling lives, right? To, to try to give back. I've had so many people in my career that have poured into me, right? That have gone out of their way to do things they didn't have to do. And so <clears> I, I try to do that as much as I can. I could get a lot better at it. Um, but, you know, that that for me is is probably the most important thing right now, other than just doing everything I can to to take care of my family and try to keep these kids focused. It's amazing. Just just my, my boys now are 15, 13. We've got a little girl that's seven and um, there's so much energy in the house and it's mm-hmm. just it's fun, man. It's just kind of right <laughs> in the thick of everything right now. I feel you on that, man. Well, Rusty, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a fantastic conversation. Hope you felt the same. I want everyone to check out The Authority Advantage. By the time you are listening to this, the book will be out. We will link it up in the comments. I want everyone else to check out if they want to find out more at Zilker Media, Z-I-L-K-E-R, media.com. Rusty, where else could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more? Sure. So uh, RustyShelton.com, you can learn a little bit more about me as a as a speaker, the books, et cetera. Find that newsletter that, that Adam referenced there. And then on the book side, if you're Somebody that's thinking about writing a book, if you go to books.forbes.com, you can learn a little bit more about Forbes books uh, there. But Adam, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Good stuff. And everyone out there, if you found value in this episode, sharing means caring, please leave a review rating. It goes a long way. You can find out more at thepodcast.com. Follow us on the social media channels. Remember, be good to yourself and be better to others. Thank you for joining us. Take care and we'll catch you next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.